This is part two and a continuation of our chat with Liz Mew. If you haven't already, head on over and tune into part one before jumping onto part two. If you have, enjoy as we continue our discussion. Well, um, I'm curious about like the food and travel side of things to go back to that. Are you planning from a content perspective what you're doing? Is there more travel, food and travel in the car? That is like, that's my favorite thing. Mm. Honestly, all my YouTube videos, I did a whole vegan in Korea series where I'm just eating, blogging, like showing food and different foods that I feel like a lot of people haven't tried. I love showing people food. I love trying, I'm... I'm very adventurous, I think, in the food space. And even before, I feel like if I wasn't vegan, I would be that person eating like weird shit, like yeah. snake and like Scorpions. weird bladder, <laughs> scorpion. Like I am that person. Yeah. I'm just like happen to not eat that anymore. So I'm like still trying to find similar experiences. I love Exotics. I love introducing new foods to mm. other people or like new food experiences or new food feelings like a feeling of a food like when you go to a market you can't replicate that you can replicate the food but you can't ever replicate going to Kwangjang market in Korea and seeing all the ladies there pile on kimchi mm. and like panchan and like the smells the, the lights exactly the it's like you got to travel to have the real the full experience and that's what I want do you watch Strictly Dumpling Mm-hmm. Mike Chen, yeah. Oh, Mike Chen. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. And I th- when I started my channel, that's, like, what I wanted my channel to be oh, like. Oh, okay. That makes it's sense. Strictly Dumpling. Yeah. Loud Noodle. Right. I was like, I need an adjective and I need yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of travel, you've got something lined up at the end of the year, don't you? Oh, yeah. We, um, it's a, it's a little preview. About? Yeah, yeah. Okay, where okay. I'm doing a, a food travel thing with a, um, a travel company. I also, before COVID, actually, I got reached out by like three other companies like Trova and Kentucky, and now I'm doing one with Getaway Co, but it was all vegan food travel. Mm-hmm. So that's my jam. Like when I'm traveling, I feel like I'm I'm truly like I'm living my best life. That is who I want to be. I'm never sad. It's like I'm just on adventure full. That's how I feel when I travel. Mode. You're just like <laughs> because you realize how – big and small the world is you're having you're doing exactly what you want and but also everything's novel yeah like you to the here you go to the grocery store you're like you just go through the motions Mm. over there grocery store completely different oh grocery shopping is the best (laughs) grocery shopping is another level you're like banana kit kat what is this (laughs) or just like i love looking at all the different stuff and like even when you go to america i love i just supermarket is the place to be yeah I love grocery shopping overseas and stuff when I'm traveling. Tell us what you're doing. So you're traveling, doing a tour. So we're going to Bali. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I went to Bali was with my family. Mm-hmm. I don't personally love Bali, but I'm excited to, because it's kind of my Indonesian heritage as well. But the last time I went to Bali, like what made me really upset was seeing that I feel like Bali's just a tourist mm-hmm. area and people I feel like people have lost their culture a little bit mm. and everything is about money and I don't know Tourism. about serving western western and white people mm-hmm. and it's a bit trashy and it just made me really sad being there but talking to this lady who has been to Bali and done a few retreats there um it's a she she does vegan food travel basically she's like she knows Bali really well and she's been able to connect with people who are trying to do something that isn't just for, I mean, I say this, but we are, we're literally doing a travel tourism trip there. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of open to having a positive experience. So I'm hoping to, to kind of show people a bit of 
the culture as well and not just like, like it's not just the food. have a trashy time. And I feel like, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what I'm expecting because okay. I'm just excited to travel again as yeah. well, to be honest. So I was like, I will go anywhere, especially if, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Are you we traveling other than going to Bali this year? Um, at the end of the year, I'm hoping to go to Korea. Oh, me either. Yeah. Okay. Sick. Okay. Sick. For, sick. For leisure or for, um, for, for leisure? For leisure. My, my main places. So just before COVID, I did Mexico for a couple months and I did Korea and Japan for a couple months. I just want to go back to Asian countries and eat Asian food. My go-to places right now are Taiwan and I want to go back to Japan and Korea. Mm. Korea. Yeah, I just really want to eat in Taiwan. I feel like that's a whole. Taiwan's a whole food wonderland. I lived in Taiwan for three months and it was like the best experience from a food standpoint. Oh, so jealous. The hot soy milk for Mm. breakfast. The Yum. Just like. And it's this weird mishmash of like. I didn't really realize this until I got to Taiwan and it was, they used to be occupied by the Japanese. So they've mm-hmm. got all this Japanese influence, mm-hmm. right? And then they've got, they're like this melting pot of like the entire Chinese Eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. So like anywhere mm-hmm. up from like Shanghai down to like, you know, Guangdong, mm-hmm. all the food is influenced there. And then you've got this weird um, sort of just indigenous Taiwanese mix. So there's like when all three come together, that's mm-hmm. what like Taiwanese cuisine is basically like. And you just and because I've traveled really extensively in China, I'm eating Taiwanese food. Going, what the hell is like I've had this like yeah. in this part of China, and you just can't correlate the two until you actually mm. have done both places. So it's really interesting. Like I think even from a vegan standpoint, Taiwan's like super vegan friendly mm, as well, mm. right? And they're like super rice based, you know, mm-hmm, over there mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so we found ourselves eating actually a lot of like vegetarian vegan food um, whilst we we're in like Taiwan, but and and super easy to travel. Mm. Like, and so much stuff is like accidentally vegan because. Like the thing is, meat was a, a luxury item mm. in, yes, in, yes, in yes, yeah yes. in in China. So like there is so much accidentally mm-hmm. vegan food, but like no one's like, oh my god, it's it's vegan, it's vegan. Mm. It just happens to be vegan, yeah. and delicious. Um, and of course, like there's also the big religion factor as well. So many people are Buddhist in China as well, mm. so everything just happens to mm, also mm. be vegetarian. And it's like not weird if yeah. you're eating vegetarian food, or like the concept is understood. It's, it's like if I go to Eastwood and I go, there's this place called Canton and you say, you know, in Chinese it's like chun su, which is can, mm. can I get it like all vegetarian? And then they'll kind of understand like do you want shallots with it as well? Or do yeah, you want, do you want onion? You want yeah. garlic? Like, they know you to don't cut want that, that out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But Why? it's totally different when white people go to a Chinese place and they're like, can you make this vegan? No one has no, no, no yeah. idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> it's like what? Um, that's the hard thing I have with my followers, I think, because I go to so many Asian places and I know what to ask for. Mm. And I know you can get the food vegan, but you've just got to ask for it in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and then when they try and go there, they're like, didn't happen, had the worst time. <laughs> and I'm, I've kind of got to like be like, okay, this is how you like, you can't say the word vegan because yeah. no one will understand. But if you literally ask for it with no egg and they'll no meat, they'll be like, they'll they'll understand like, they'll be like, oh, okay. I know of um, like a like a food blogger mm-hmm. who um, she's celiac. So mm-hmm. she only mm-hmm. does gluten-free food. And what she did was she'd introduce all these places and she'd create these little like palm cards. Cards, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And you can sort of use them. I mean, obviously here it's not a language. Oh, who is language this? Because issue. it sounds really familiar. Uh, her name was Jody something. She's a lawyer. She's Canadian. Uh, oh, I can't remember. I've got to find out, but we'll put it in the show. But notes, I think that's but- a common thing, especially yeah. if it's an allergy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like my ex-partner, Will's also like – 
very gluten yeah. intolerant. So that was another thing. That was an extra added challenge to all the travel. We're looking for vegan and gluten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was my entire traveling thing, which was also good for me in terms of content for like, I mean, I would eat every everything, but like in my videos, I could be like, oh guys, this is all gluten-free as well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I found all these gluten-free places. Um, but like going to Japan and trying to find gluten-free ramen, gluten-free vegan oh, ramen yeah, is yeah. such a challenge. Mm-hmm. But they have it. Oh. They have it. Interesting. Yeah. And it's amazing. It was Wow. Did you try really hard to find it? How how difficult was it to Well, I'm a big food like I do a I do like research. months of research yeah. before. Okay. So I'll look at all these like micro blogs and like if someone's put a comment being like, "Oh, I think they have gluten-free stuff here." I will go check out that place. And it's often like tiny tiny spots who do have gluten-free options because there's a family in Japan where some they have a kid that's like <clears throat> gluten intolerant and they'll start a little like cafe with amazing gluten-free stuff. Like you just Kimeko. need to find it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Kameko. Well, Kameko is kind of huge now, but like, yeah. yeah, there there are people who do it in every country because- you just got to go they, looking Yeah, for you've it. just got to go looking for it. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing, <laughs> finding tiny spots. Yeah. And you wouldn't find those places otherwise if you were just doing a tour or yeah. just touring around. But yeah, country. I do a, I do a lot of research and I think it's a lot of people don't and then they struggle when they go there and they expect to just google and find it. It doesn't work like you that. You can't shoot from the hip. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, you've right? got to you've got to really you've got to prepare. prepare. And that's why I think I have such a good time traveling cuz I always have a list of literally 200 300 places that I could go to. If you look at my phone in Japan, there is like yeah. It's all like Google places yeah. and you've got like He's one got, for every I area. will literally <laughs> show you if you look at I'll, all the pins. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and the Korea, because Korea, Google Maps doesn't work. So you've got to use like Kakao Maps mm. or Neva. And their mapping system is even better. Like it's way better than Google Maps because really? you can pin all the restaurants and then you can color code them. So you can already color in like oh. every place that you can be into, be, you've been to and you can like see everything like the hell? in one go. And then like, because we did career first and I was used to this like color coordinating me like, yep, check that off, done there, eaten there, done mm. that. Then we went to Japan and I was back on Google Maps and I was like, I can't see where I've been. <laughs> can't see where I've been. <laughs> so why do you think um, – I mean, we talk about why food is so important for Asians, but mm-hmm. I feel like um, at least in the influencer space or celebrity space. This just, just, this just turned into like a full like yeah. food yeah. <laughs> chat. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, and also it's like we don't want to make this out to be the whole vegan thing either. I think mm. it's like, yeah, like if that's our thing. And and I like, you, you I, I mean, our reference point is like here MasterChef, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You look at um, both from a judge's side with um, Melissa, is it Melissa Leong? She's the I don't watch the MasterChef, MasterChef yeah. Well, there's her, but then also if you think about all the major like contestants in the mm, top mm. 10, they're like a lot, like there's so many Asians. Mm. So I feel like food and celebritism or influences. I think it's also coming up now. Like I know I don't watch it now, but like the first time when we I used to watch MasterChef in that original oh, series no, no, no. when Po Ling Yao came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. fucking loved her. Mm-hmm. I was like, she's Malaysian. She's cooking dishes that I know. They're just normal to me. And all these white people are like, damn, yeah. it's nasi lemak. What is this? Yeah, like I had it for dinner last night. But literally, like, what's the big deal? Also, and um, like it's I think it's so great that Asian food is coming up as well. Like that, like you the thing I don't love about food is like you go to an Italian place and people are happy to pay $50 for a bowl of pasta. Yes. But when you go to an Asian place, yeah. no one wants to pay more than 15 bucks for a bowl of noodles. Exactly. And I'm yeah. like, do you know how hard it is to make dumplings? Like that's not different 
so different from ravioli. People literally, it's the same process. Yeah. There's grandmas here literally hand rolling mm-hmm. every single dumpling wrapper that they can only charge, what, 10 bucks for yeah. like a whole bowl of dumplings? Like, I mean, it's so great that vegan, I mean, Asian food is cheap, but also at the same time, there's it's like, can be problematic. It's like a full it's a fine I, it's, line. Yeah. I feel like it is changing though, because if you look at um, yeah, I, I think don't it's know great. That is like changing. Chefs, yeah, yeah. like Kylie Kwong, mm-hmm. um, like Adam Lior mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from MasterChef, and then you've got like Dan Hong who runs Maryvale. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of chefs who are coming in. They bring like a really contemporary mm-hmm. way of doing it. But I do agree. There's still this perception that like Asian food has to be cheap. Mm. Right? I do worry sometimes about making Asian food more contemporary. Is it Bastardizing it? Yeah. Is yeah. it like westernizing it for the Western palate as well, especially if they're on TV? And I like- think uh, that does happen yeah. for sure. But it's also like everything happens in baby steps. Yeah. It's like when polling yao makes a really like fancy nasi lemak or whatever. Yeah. Like it's baby steps because things like if you just throw something f- way too far away, mm. foreign on screen, like, like no one's going to watch that. They're not even going to. That's not going to make it into the final cut of MasterChef. It's got to be palatable to some degree. And think then the thing with representation as well, like even now, like we've got all these Asian movies in where the parents apologize to the child. And I'm like, oh. that would never, ever happen. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's palatable now. And that is like the like kind of segue. I mm. feel like in maybe 10 years, we are going to see just like real Asian dynamics mm-hmm. on screen. But like right now, we just have this like kind of polished version that like white people can also watch and think that's okay it's like how controversial crazy rich asians was like Mm. i hated crazy rich asians i I don't enjoy that movie at all it's either you hated it or you loved it but it's a baby step you know yeah it has to be on the big screen a lot of people that weren't asian loved it but also we couldn't really relate to it it's could not relate cannot relate Yeah. yeah Well, firstly, I'd be crazy and rich. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the wedding scene was insane. Yeah. 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 That's not relatable. But I guess, again, like you said, it's baby steps. It's the first step, right? Mm. Exactly. Mm. Particularly Mm. representation. But I think also I I don't like the idea, and I know like even David So talks about this on his podcast where he talks about like just because it's done by an Asian Mm -hmm. person or someone's like the lead doesn't mean you have to get behind it. Yeah, Mm. doesn't mean Mm. you have to love it. You don't Mm. have to love it, right? But I think also it's important that – um, there is more representation mm-hmm. and more diverse manner, like you said. Like you don't mm. want to be typecast as like either the nerd or yeah. like the exactly. sexy cool chick. Like there is in between now. <laughs> but you still want to open the doors for everyone in the future as well. Correct. Yeah. Because it's almost like there's self-limiting beliefs here, um, but it's also like you don't know what's possible because you don't see it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the, I guess the reason why I say because f- I think food is just a very easy um, vehicle for a lot of Asians to start sort of moving into the space of like influencing like you like what you do in a lot of ways is you're using food as a vehicle to talk about what you're passionate mm-hmm. about right and I mean I feel like that's just one like food is just one thing but there's oh yeah there's so there's, things, everyone right? has their own little outlet well in the influencer space I guess a lot of people do going on a different tangent like a lot of people do want to become influencers as well mm-hmm. do you have any advice on other females, other people that want to go into that space, especially if they're Asian? I don't, I, I don't, I guess I don't really have Asian specific advice, but mm. advice in general is post what you want because you're going to feel when you start to like gain traction, you're going to feel pressure to post what you think is popular. But then, like, at the end of the day, that's not going to make you happy. And like, it is very easy to get caught up in the numbers and the likes, but like, it's not sustainable to only to put that pressure on yourself to like create 
popular content or like try and be in the trends all the time. I think some people can do it, but like they're a they're a minority. Like to to have a sustainable like like a trajectory of how yeah, exactly. To, that. Sorry, I've just it's can't articulate today. <laughs> I think people just need to post what they want. That is the best content that whatever excites you. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I should make this because I and then I, and then I get stuck in the like, oh, what if people don't like it? Oh, it's too foreign. Oh, it's got too many spices. Oh, the ingredients too foreign. But at the end of the day, I just want to make it. It sparks something in me that is mm. joyful, or uh, there's a feeling that I know with that food, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to share that. And if it, if you're genuine, it always comes across. No matter if you think it's not working, but like if you if you came to that piece of content with like with some sort of excitement, it's going to come through. It's going to come through. Yeah. So, yeah, just. And also consistency, right? Like, yeah. I feel oh, like consistency just a consistency is key. Thing. I kind of suck at being consistent. <laughs> That's like, it's like, it's, it's a whole issue struggle that I have with myself. I struggle. It's because I can, I feel like I can only create in a, I guess that's also a narrative that I've told myself that I can only create when I'm happy or like I'm in like a state of flow. I love being in, I call it my flow state where I'm like, everything's going well for me. That is when I, it is truly when I'm creating the best content. Um, but at the same time, I have also now learned that I need to be posting just like every week. And if yeah. you're not, you kind of lose like I still have momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, but yeah, consistency is key. And yeah. Well, you started your TikTok recently as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's grown. It's exp- TikTok is wild. Yeah. It is like a free for all. Some videos like hit and like explode, and then some videos just tank. And then their videos that you think they're often videos that I was really excited about had that spark, and then I post it, and then it tanks, and I'm like. <laughs> what the fuck? I spent like eight hours on that video yeah. and then I'll literally be filming like a three second mm-hmm. crunchy tofu katsu that I just made for dinner. It's a three second video. I'll post it and it'll get like a hundred yeah. over a hundred K. And I'm like, what just happened? I spent eight hours on this video. <laughs> it gets like 200 views. And then this like three second unedited, unfiltered, like iPhone snap gets like, it's a free for all. Yeah. There's really no rules. So at the end of the day, just post whatever the fuck you want mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's crazy on TikTok. And you've been focusing on your Instagram and all across the social medias um, recently this year as well, right? Yeah. Did you take a break at any point? Yeah, that was a couple of years when I was like that year where I we opened that cafe and I sucked the life out of me, sucked the confidence out of me. I was just trying to keep this cafe alive. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was like the worst and best year of my life. That's kind of when I went off. I lost all my confidence. I, like, wasn't into blogging. Then I got a job at Nutty mm-hmm. um, and I started, like, doing all their vegan baked stuff and writing recipes for them. Um, that's kind of when I started, like when I wasn't the boss anymore and I was just like creating again. I was f- just in a creative space. That's kind of when I started to find my feet a little bit. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I should get back into blogging. And then travel kind of sparked everything again. We yeah. went to India and then I did India south to north wow. and did all the food and that really ignited some shit. And I was yeah. like, okay. We're back. I love food. We're back. We're back, baby. But like, 
in saying that, like, every, you're asking me these questions like I'm a pro and in, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing still. I'm still figuring it out. You've like, been in the space for a good few years. I, yes, I'm in the space, but I'm still working on my shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is very much a journey. It is a process. Like, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people will look at my account and be like, oh, she's she's established. She's I literally don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm taking it day by day, week by week. I'm trying to plan. Like, nothing is set in stone like I'm just trying to figure it out, basically. Do you ever think there will be a point where you'll feel like you've made it? I feel like right now, I I don't know. I have no idea, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Right now, I feel like I'm kind of finding my feet and I am kind of getting the jobs in. And I'm like, the thing about me, though, is I always love change. I can't Mm -hmm. do the same thing for too long. Mm -hmm. Like even when I was working at Nutty, so Nutty's like a little donut bakery here. They have a cafe now. And I started working there and I had full creative freedom. Like my job was just to put vegan stuff on the menu because they didn't have a lot of vegan. They had like two vegan items. Now the entire cafe is basically vegan. Yeah. And like I could work whenever I want. I could literally come into the bakery at 2 a.m. if I wanted. All I needed to do was make sure that front pastry fridge was full and I can work. I could have worked whenever I wanted, put, made whatever I wanted, whatever donuts, whatever cakes, whatever slices, whatever chocolates, anything, as long as the pastry fridge was full. Whatever. But even then I wasn't happy because I'm not, do- not wasn't doing my own thing. Yeah. So I can like, that was probably the best hospitality job I could have ever had. Now Zena's one of my other best friends. Yeah. Like we're just besties and that still didn't make me happy. So even now I'm finding my feet and I'm like getting all these jobs. I'm like, I should do something else. Mm-hmm. So this is why I started planning all these pop-ups. I'm like, I've ordered like this whole takoyaki grill and I'm making takoyaki at home like <laughs> literally every week. I'm going to do Dutch pancakes. So I've started testing Dutch pancakes and like tokachi skewers and like I'm just like always trying to do something new. But uh, like at the same time, that can also I, – I, I, I like to stress myself out because I do – do work well under pressure, yeah. which is why also I like doing the markets because it's such a challenge. It's like, high as well, isn't it? yeah, like ch- trying to like move two thousand bread rolls across yeah. the city to sell it up, and you have to set up your bloody market store at six a.m. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Yeah. It is physically draining, and like trying to get like I love like rostering all, all my staff on and like getting everyone in, and then when it works, that is what makes me so happy. When we have a good bake, and I know that I've like. I put the work in, I planned ahead, mm-hmm. I ordered everything. When it just like comes together, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and also like that's when I'm like, okay, you did a good job. Now what's next? Yeah, like, but then it kills you for ho- a whole week, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. Having to push yourself under pressure. Yeah. Like I know it – like I'm the same. Like I work well under pressure but then it comes to a point where you don't want to burn out either. Like there's where's like, the healthy there's like balance? A, there's like a – a very Sometimes, fine line. Yeah, there's a very fine line. Sometimes I'm like, I should have started. If I started this two days earlier, I would not be stressed right now. Mm-hmm. And when I do manage to like start on the in the perfect timing, because like the market, it takes one whole week out of my month basically. And if I don't time it right, sometimes it's a scrape to get mm-hmm. to the market. Like I'm, I'm really just like, oh, fuck, I didn't yeah. get in my stuff. I haven't called stuff yet. And like we, <laughs> it's, we're two days out and I need stuff to serve buns on Sunday. It's like, Viv, do you want to work on Sunday? Yeah, literally like three days before. And then she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, fuck, yes. <laughs> like I'm not actually quite an unorganized person, but like, yeah. But you enjoy it as well. Yeah. I like, right. I kind of like the scramble or like I know I'm going to get it done most of the time. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that. Because it's, you know, I did events management, worked mm. in, like, I events are, like, the thing. It's, like, it's such yeah. a high, but the lead up to it is the most stressful yeah. fucking thing ever. Oh, oh it drains like, you. So many moving parts. Yeah. But when it comes together, 
You're just, like, just it's the adrenaline <laughs> and then like the the like hit of dopamine that you get mm. once everything comes together. Yeah. Like at 9 a.m. when I know people are lining up, my job's done. Yeah. I'm ready to pass out. I'm ready to when the line's fuck snaking out. around the overall. Exactly. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like everyone's serving. I'm like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I am clocked. You're napping out. in the back of the truck. Literally. <laughs> I'm just like, I Get like patting all the dogs in the market. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Like delirious. Yeah, like when so many people also come to say hi on Sunday because they see me at the market and they're like, oh, I love your videos, I love your content. And like <laughs> I don't remember anyone on a market Sunday. I literally haven't slept the night yeah. before. Like we're baking all through the night and then we drive straight to the market. And, and you set up that whole week. It, that's it. Playing. And everyone's like, oh, hi, I met you last time. What? And I'm like, I have no idea who the fuck you are. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and everyone's so nice. But um, yeah. It's a mission. Do you think you'll do milk and bun for the foreseeable future or is it something that you think? I think I'm going to stop soon or switch. I'm hoping to not – it is very labor intensive, Mm -hmm. like physically tiring for me and now I'm getting like carpal tunnel. My physio is like, if you keep doing this, you're not going to be able to cook at all Mm -hmm. for very much longer. It's not worth it. I I definitely know I should stop or like the thing is like a lot of people are like, you should just hire more people to do your job. But I'm like, I don't think it's not the same. And also, like, I would need, it's so expensive to run. uh, Like, I don't know how people run cafes, honestly. Like, you have to be willing to work at your own cafe every single day because labor is so expensive in Sydney. Rent is so expensive. And like, even running my market store, I'm like, I would have to hire a few. I cannot expect somebody to stay up all night Mm -hmm. and bake. I, I know my baking team does that, but like to do my job and oversee everything yeah. plus doing the orders plus getting the stuff to the market. It's like I'm doing the job of like five people and it's throughout your the dream week. at the end of the day. It's exactly, not exactly. So I need to put that work in and I if I could hire someone to do my job, yes, that would be way better, but like it's impossible. Yeah. I can't. I, I literally I just it's never going to happen. No one's going to want to put that amount of energy in mm-hmm. because it's not their own project. Yeah. So the only person who could do it is and you. do the job to the quality that I want it to be done is myself. Yeah. So I can't palm it off to someone as much as I would love to because I'm fucking tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't. <laughs> and like, so I don't, I, I don't, it's not sustainable, which is also scares me. Like all of my, my whole life is like, like there's no security in terms of like there's no stability. Like I can't have milk and bun forever because I physically can't do it. And like with blogging, like any day, like what if the internet shuts shuts down? Like that's like my biggest fear. I'm like, what if like the internet dies? Like I literally have no income, which is mm-hmm. another reason I love to do something which is like a physical store because I'm like, okay, if the internet shuts down and there's no more Instagram, oh you've hedged. I've got bed. I've yeah. got a I've got a fucking market store. I know how to serve food. I know how to exercise this like. It's way more tangible as exactly, well. Like social exactly. Media is scrolling. So like, I don't know why that's a fear that I have, but um. It's but it's weird, right? Like people used to think they're like, oh, if I get a job, that's like safe. But if anything, this whole pandemic yeah. literally tells you, you no know exactly safe. uprooted everyone. That fully just. I think that's changed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I see this massive digital nomads movement going on mm-hmm. at the moment, which I was like hooked onto three or four years ago before the pandemic. And it's like now, I'm like now people want to do this whole location independent work from yeah. anywhere in the mm, world. Mm. Um, because they've seen it's possible as well. Yeah, correct. Because well, I yeah. think it's the mindset thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the it's definitely changed how people are going to work forever. Like 
companies are realizing it's so much cheaper to have everyone work at mm-hmm, home mm-hmm. and you don't need to be in the office all day. Like my partner works at Qantas and like they just work from home half yeah. the week now and like stuff still happens. Because they can because they know that they were forced into it and now they can adapt to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This episode is produced and brought to you by Social Wave. Social Wave is a strategic content marketing agency helping businesses grow revenue using video, podcasts, and SEO. Head on over to socialwave.com.au to find out more. Now back to the show. So what's the next plans for you? Like obviously you got the travel stuff going mm-hmm. on. Is there anything else in the works? Like what do you want to sort of do in the next three to five years? Have you thought about that far out? I literally every week I have a new plan. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna start my own travel company. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach workshops. Literally yesterday I'm like, I'm gonna start workshops again. I love I also love teaching people. So before when I back in when I was a kid and I only wanted to be a doctor, the other thing I wanted to do was be a teacher like that's actually something that I wanted to do I loved teaching people and like giving people new skills or just like when people and I think it's because also because my dad is such a bad teacher because I don't know do you know when you get your parents to help you with homework my dad is so good at maths and science he does not understand why you don't understand yeah oh yeah he's like why don't you get it like you just do this you do this you do this and then you're there I'm like okay (laughs) that's like my dad he'll be like he'll he was telling my brother to like change the shower head the other night and my dad was like have you changed it yet my brother was like (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) like how do you do it he's like like, just put it on the wall and my brother was like i'm 13 (laughs) (laughs) like what is he supposed to know oh yeah anyways you're talking about how you want to teach oh yeah so literally yesterday i was like i'm gonna run workshops again because one of my favorite things that i did is because you know how you can do those Airbnb experience type mm. things? I ran like a Chinese cooking workshop where we did a tour through Eastwood and I showed you all the vegan stuff oh, at yeah, the yeah, supermarket. Yeah. Because nice. a lot of people don't go into Asian supermarkets because they don't know what to buy. Yep. They don't know. They're like, oh, my God, there's so many brands, there's so many stuff. Like, it's so overwhelming, which is true. And I never understood that because it's so normal to me. I'm like, anyone can go in and buy stuff. Yeah. But, like, when I went to Mexico, I was like, oh, I understand now. Like, (laughs) I don't know what the fuck to buy. And I want to buy the best stuff, but I don't know what's the – like, I literally have no idea because everything's so foreign. And running this, like, Chinese cooking workshop was really good. I got people to make noodles and everyone was making dumplings from scratch. And then, like, I gave everyone a goodie bag to try with, like, different Chinese treats and snacks. And it was just, like, it was a really good day. Was it mainly white people then? Yeah. It was mainly white people. So it was, like, sort of a – Yeah, it was was a good – it was a good time and, like, I really felt like I was sharing my culture. And Is that where you met Kara? Um, I already knew Kara and Mira before that, but okay. they, they did come mm-hmm. to the – So, you still want to do more of these? Is that part Yeah, of or just, like, more foodie experiences. Maybe not that, but, like, I also host I, – I used to host, like, different dinners at, like – I hosted a dinner at, like, a Xi'an place mm-hmm. um, and got everyone to try, like – because a lot of people, they know Chinese food, but, like, Xi'an cuisine is, like – to me like one of the the best cuisines yes. and like people don't eat food from Shanxi chili because oil, they exactly right? chili yeah. oil noodles <laughs> like cold skin noodles like people don't know this shit exists and it's literally some of the best food on the planet i think it's like when we went to eastwood i think we bumped into one of our friends jason and we were saying oh yeah we went to sea bay and he was like oh you know like the restaurant and like the other side of the the korean side also has a sea bay mm-hmm. and then we we're like yeah, it's like because the food is from the province, Sibei. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, I thought that oh, was, it was just a chain." The name. And, yeah. and then he's like, oh, "I didn't understand why there were three Sibeis in Eastwood." I'm yeah. like, "Well, it's, they're all diff- like they're all separately different owned. owners." Yeah, that's the cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why their menus are so similar is because it's from the same place. Have you guys been to Xi'an? No, no, I haven't been go. to. I've been to China since 
pandemic. 2008. Uh, what? I was in the Olympic Orchestra. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So Congrats. that was that was a great time actually going to China during the Olympics. So because no one was allowed to drive except unless you were like in the official Olympic like mm-hmm. stuff. So like it was. It was so weird because China's so full of people, but the roads were dead yeah. except for our like purple giant yeah. tour buses like coming through Beijing. It was like weirdly like a ghost town, but also so busy. And um, it's so crazy that you played in the like Olympic yeah, it orchestra. was it was really yeah, I did a lot of orchestra yeah, back what in an the day. Experience. That was another very Asian thing that I did was <laughs> I did a lot of music. What's crazy thing about it? That was like fourteen years ago. It was a long time. Whoa. I feel like it was very recent. Oh, Two whoa, days. that's fourteen. That's what I'm saying. Like 14, right? So, yeah, I was in high school. I was very young. Yeah. Because when you said, oh, you in the orchestra, I was like, what the hell? It's like, I'm trying to put the timeline together. Yeah. Like, and the, and, and like, then I realized I was like, it's 14 it, years ago. It was such a wild time because also I was in high school and everyone else in the orchestra from like America and overseas was like a full on adult. And I'm like, <laughs> what am I a doing? Child. Yeah. So how long were you there for? It was like a, we were there for around the opening ceremony and like the, all the events leading up to the opening ceremony. So you just stayed for that, but you didn't yeah. stay like for But the like it, we, it wasn't like a fun travel thing. It was like a- Job. You're here to do work. You're here <laughs> to play music. You're yeah. here to like play on the Great Wall and be in Tiananmen Square and stuff like that. So like we lived in a giant hotel, which was in the middle of nowhere, but it was like palatial. It was- but it was in the middle of nowhere. China's a bit like that. It, yeah. And there was like a weird abandoned amusement park <laughs> right next to our, like, as part of the hotel. But it was like <laughs> but it's really not, creepy. But yeah, it was like the weirdest time. But China, it so is like yeah, that. Yeah, like, so many ghost towns. But there are things that don't make sense yeah, in China. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And like, I just remember, this is these are just weird stories, but I went to Europe with my grandma as well. But we went, because we were going from Hong Kong, but we went via Europe for some reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have family in Germany, so mm-hmm. we visited them. And we're in Europe, but then we flew like China Airlines, so there, there was a stop in Beijing. And like we get up at Beijing and our flight's delayed to the next day. But And our entire plane's just like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And in Beijing, none of the airport signs. It's not like Hong Kong where there are yeah. also English signs that you don't know what's There's going no on. There's no way finding them. And so like they're like, oh, just come back the next day. I'm like, what do you mean? Where? We're an what entire- <laughs> Like plane full of people. Like, what do you mean? Come back the next day, and they're like, "Oh, okay, we'll just we'll get you a hotel." And this is like China Air or whatever. And we're like, "Okay, it's like an official thing. This is a common it's gonna story." It's going to be okay. Right and then, like, everyone just starts wandering back through security. Security is so confused as to why people are coming back through. No one comes back through security, yeah. and and like we don't know what's going on. This entire plane full of people, and then we get out of security. Everyone's like, "What about our bags? Like, what's going on?" And like, there is not one person leading us. We're all just kind of making our way through out of Beijing Airport, but we're all staying together. And they're like, "Oh, there's a bus. Find Where? a bus." <laughs> we go outside. There's literally like thirteen buses in a row, and we're like, "Oh gosh!" And they're like. Um, I think it's that bus. Get on that bus. Everyone's like, okay. So we all get on this bus and the bus drives us two hours out of Beijing. And we're like, oh shit, did we get on the right bus? The bus driver doesn't speak English. Like everyone's just on this fucking bus. We go to this hotel in the middle of nowhere. And at at this point it's like 11 p.m. We have to be back at the airport at like 4 a.m. Oh my God. And 
we're like, what the fuck? We're at the Rand so you Hotel. Slept like three hours. No, but we get to the hotel and the hotel manager's there. He's in his pajamas. And it's like, <laughs> it's, you know how it's kind of like that vibe, but it looks clean, but you know it's, it's like, dirty. it's like old. It's oh, clean it's, on the front. It's like right? clean. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, it's kind of that vibe. It's like that. It's like when you watch like those North Korea videos and you're uncomfortable, like yeah. everything's perfect, but it's not. <laughs> it's one of those hotels. The manager's in his fucking pajamas in the lobby and there's like Americans, like just a whole bunch of people who are on this China air flight. And the guy's like, you need to pay $300 US cash to oh stay here. Oh my God. And I'm like, but no, 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 this is the airline like fucked up. Like this should be free. Like this paid by the airline. He's like, no, if you want a room, you pay cash. So the one ATM, everyone's lining up at 11 PM to stay in this oh hotel for like God. three hours before we have to go back to the, it was ridiculous. Anyway, this is just like a whole, that was my, another experience of China that I had. <laughs> the only good experience of China I've had was traveling with my the family August. as a oh. as a kid. Okay, and um, seeing where my dad grew up, but I haven't traveled to China properly. Would yeah, you I'd, like to? I'd like to. I'd like to go to all the the, the regional mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. to eat. That is yeah. actually one thing that um, I think about. It's like you know how like in trend with food, right? Well, not right now, but it's been for a long time now. It's like the whole farm to table, like mm. provenance. Like mm, they say, yeah. food is like in season. We eat this, yes, whatever. And I'm thinking like back in there, I was like, I feel like I just grew up on that. Like yeah, China, yeah. It's just like farm to table was such a like That's in China. Normal. There's this thing called nongjala, which yeah. is like village like happy village experience yep, yep, where yep. you literally go to a farm and they cook you food and yeah. it's just farm to table it's just fresh. but it was like, never like in vogue and it wasn't like this whole crazy trendy yeah. thing it was just well i thing. think it's coming back for white people now because they like there's so many processes like, as well people don't realize that food takes time to grow there's like, such a disconnect exactly right? like and you can have you can buy an apple every single day of the year if you want to but it doesn't take one it doesn't an apple like doesn't just appear yeah it takes months to grow it had to be picked it had to be driven to mm-hmm. you like that's an apple yeah. like with meat it's like a whole other fucking story like someone's got to look after this animal for months feed, feed it. it water it pick up its shit like there's a whole like there's so much that happens before the food gets to your plate mm-hmm. and i think it's because like western society is so removed from that and because there have been these like farming systems for so long like like farm to table is such like a new concept whereas like that's why another reason why food is so ingrained in our culture is because we know where it's from and we know the purpose of it whereas western society it's very disconnected like there's not Mm, much mm. you know and like you're saying it's not that weird for like your asian parents to be growing like Vegetables like, in the back. Exactly. Everyone's got a veggie patch, yeah. right? But like, ours is just messy. Yeah. It's not like the white, beautiful garden. Everyone's like, yeah, now I grow my own herbs and stuff. Look at my beautiful herb garden. Like, we do that too. Mine just looks like a shit show. Yeah, it's like a but gigantic got thing. Got I'm really it. embarrassed by this, but my my parents used to make us, like, because we're all boys in the house, I know piss into a bucket yeah, and use the that. bucket for fertilizer. <laughs> For the veggie patch. Oh my god, we did this too. But my dad, like every time we would walk our dog and the dog was shit, he'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can use this later. <laughs> free fertilizer. Oh free fertilizer. See, I didn't know anyone else did that. My dad well, there you go. My dad would do that. <laughs> Nutrients, nitrogen. Yeah. Got to fertilize the soil. Oh, the dog did another poo. Put it under the mandarin tree. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Put it under the mandarin tree. Doesn't cost tree. extra money. Yeah, but like I already grew up and like in our house we had like a 
a tree for every season. We had a mulberry tree. We had a mandarin tree. And I was like, I don't want a fruit tree. I just want a backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a backyard with a swing. With a trampoline as well. Exactly. I want a trampoline. Oh, my gosh. Which Asian family do you know how to fucking trampoline? We had a trampoline. Oh. <laughs> we the the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone had a trampoline. I refused to go in the backyard because it smelled like piss and shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like it stank oh, like yeah. crap. You know, why would I go out there? It's the worst. Uh, it's enough smelling my own pee after I pee it, let alone like smell it again after they've like you poured it into, pee the into a bucket. Literally into a bucket. And always I, I would refuse to pee, be the first one to pee after it was an empty bucket because if you pee into it, you get all the splash back. So, so you always had to like, you got really good at it after a while. Like I had to like tell my friends like, look, I'm happy to pee into a bucket but you got to get the ones with the curved edges because when it hits it, it doesn't like splash back in your face and your legs. So you had to like, you know. Oh my god! So there was this whole tactical thing behind It's like it. pouring beer on tap. Yeah. You got to put it in an angle. angle. Right. And you got to, it's got to go up and down. Like it's the same thing. There's a science to it. Oh so, man. What a nuance. That was, that was, oh. that was an Asian, Asian boy upbringing, seriously. And you know what's stupid? My mum forced me to do it. So she didn't even do it herself. It was just the boys. It was me, my brother, and my dad. Oh, oh gosh. That's at so least funny. you had three. We only had what one and then my brother was too young to do it. Well, so. you know, that we grew up on very healthy vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> we did too. <laughs> you know, because everyone oh, had that veggie so funny. patch. Oh, it's crazy. But this is the thing, it's like like so that's why I when I when farm to table this whole, I'm like, why, why is it three? Like, why is it three hundred dollars per head? Yeah, I was like, why is this? Come to my house. Like three, yeah, literally, you get three leaves, you know, like on your plate. And I'm just like, dude, like, we grew up on this shit, and it was like, a th- it was just you never, like, you never had to go to the supermarket and buy vegetables. Mm. Like, you'd have all the vegetables mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, yeah, my dad has this whole thing. He's like, organic. What do you mean organic? Everything in fucking China, <laughs> everything in China is organic. We don't have money for pesticides. You see a bug you, oh, eating the leaf, you chop that leaf off. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you don't. You like cut around the bit. <laughs> cut around the bit that got eaten. Sometimes I think it's like self-talk. I always like my mom always goes, "If a bug eats it, it means it's, it's okay good. to yeah, eat." Yeah. Right? Or it's when you go to Eastwood or any other Asian grocery and you find all the vegetables have slugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, you know. if the strawberry's mangled, it means it's organic. Yeah. You know, like that's the sort yeah. of. But like, that's all the Chinese stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's normal. It's normal, and the, and it's not like five times the price. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's not all wrapped in plastic as well. When you go to the Asian supermarket, like. It's all just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember seeing one of your pieces of content about plastics and you were saying you're, you're becoming more conscious about waste, your own mm. waste and plastics, right? That was a, yeah. So being zero waste was a huge part of my, like, I kind of switched from being like vegan for the animals and like I became definitely more vegan for the environment a couple of years ago. And like plastic waste, I think, is such a huge issue. I've kind of fallen off it a little bit now, but. I don't know, that was at the forefront of everything that I did for a long time. And I, one thing I noticed in like in an Asian culture is I feel like we do use a lot more plastic yeah. and that is such a, a big issue. Um, and like even when I went to Korea, there's like small – all the vegan bakeries I went to, they were trying to run this like plastic-free mm. Um, initiative and like if you bring your own container you get like a free little extra thing and which I thought was like really interesting like in Asia people it's so hard trying to make this it's not a thing change and like the um, looking after the environment I I also think it's different because the thing with China is there are so many fucking people no one has time to think about anyone else you when you want to cross the street you fucking cross the street you don't fucking wait for the the light (laughs) you just go like it's so hard to change people's 
mindsets mindsets in in an environment like that when mm-hmm. people are already very just trying to survive the day and they're set in their ways exactly as well. exactly yeah but it's definitely like a survival of the fittest i mean you went to india you would have got that vibe too right oh my gosh it was india was crazy luckily we started in the south where it's definitely more chill but as you get to the north it's it's like a it's like a love hate i have a love hate relationship with india like i want to go back so bad to eat but i also don't want to go back mm-hmm. like it was amazing and this, this is how I feel about China as well. I'm a bit scared to go back. Mm. Like there's so much like so min- there's so much happening like politically. Like when they say culture, culture shock, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, there is mm. a there was a pretty big culture shock for us in India. I feel like. Do you think being with Will and traveling with Will afforded you a bit more privilege? A little bit, and I think that's also why I didn't like when I was like, oh, I, I don't want to date Asian people. Was like. Yeah, a bit of that. Like you feel this protection yep. when you're with a white person, and like I was with a very tall white man for so long, six foot white. But boy. then, I, at some point, I realized I've started to lose myself, mm. and I felt like people only liked me because I was with a white person, mm. mm-hmm. or like, or that's what I told myself. And like, I hated going to cafes. I I'm always the person ordering the food. I'm like, we're gonna get this, this, and this. And he's like, is that gluten free? I'm like, yes. Like, I know what's gluten free. You don't. You just eat what I order. (laughs) (laughs) And like, we get to a cafe, and they like the wait staff will talk to Will and Mm. not talk to me. Really? Yeah, Yeah. Often. And I'm super. Just growing up, I'm super sensitive to racism, and I'm just like, what what the fuck? Like, hello. It's like you'll answer back, but they'll still answer back to Will. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, i am had enough of this shit. See, I'm, uh, when I grew up, I didn't, um, I don't think I was sensitive to racism, so I never saw, like, mm. I never felt like I was, mm. other than some dumb kid who goes ching chong, whatever, like, yeah. says some dumb shit and, you know, you just ignore him. But I wouldn't say outright intentional, like, malice racism um, was something I noticed. So, mm. you were saying, like, you're super sensitive to it. So, But, like, if someone is... If someone was slightly like a bit, I don't know, standoffish or maybe they would just weren't having a good day or like if I perceived them as not being welcoming to me at all, I would immediately assume that they're racist. Racist. That comes or, from or survival. The, yeah, and- uh, be- because in, in, the, in the off chance that they do turn or like the conversation or whatever does turn racist i can i'm already prepared your guard is you're not gonna hurt me because i'm already like mentally i'm prepared (laughs) do you know what i mean and then like it was hard to explain that to will throughout our whole relationship he's like you're just too sensitive you can't be like that because you're blocking yourself from like having these really good interactions i'm like yes but you also don't understand why i'm like this and why it's okay for me to be like that you can't tell me how to react in a situation because sometimes I'll be like, oh, my God, that lady was so racist. Did you notice? Like that checkout lady at Cold. And he'll be like, what are you talking about? She was so nice. I'm like, she was nice to you. She mm. completely ignored me because they think you're the main character in this mm. interaction. You are the white man. You can't tell me how to interact because I'm your like, I'm just like, they think I'm your like servant kind of. I mean, they obviously don't think I'm your servant, but like that's like they just think I'm secondary. Mm-hmm. It's a sub- and it's the exactly. secondary. Like- and they don't even they might not even realize they're doing it. Yeah. They're not of like they're not racist. They're just like it's a subconscious ingrained. Yeah, it's like a it's like a social norm yeah. to like to put Asians second or minorities second or people of color second or women second. Mm. And like, yeah, I, that was what like. A huge issue for me because like he could never relate on that on that level and of, then it like, just made your experiences feel yeah like, and when invalid. all that whole like 
when COVID started and yeah. like the whole Black Lives yeah. Matter happened and I was trying to explain to him that there is work that we all need to do. Like even as an Asian person, I need to check myself and mm-hmm. like there's so much stuff that I do that also perpetuates like Asian stereotyping. Like I didn't I, – there's probably still so much that I do that like perpetuates that story. Mm-hmm. What about um you know how like in America right now there's all this like Asian like random Asian attacks, mm-hmm. Asian hate crime and that sort of stuff. Did you feel you know I didn't really feel any like I, there was I, no involvement yeah, yeah, in no, your no, no, part no, that no, you no, felt no, no, along no. that. But just like the conversations around that. So it's purely personal experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's um there, there was never like a an overtly like racist comment made to me ever? as a child so I don't know why I, I'm just so insensitive I think it's also because I was trying to be so white mm. I just remember going to with one of my friends to like a sailing her sister had like a sailing competition somewhere in the middle not in Sydney basically so we drove out and as soon as you leave Sydney there are no Asians mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and like do you know how you're kind of switching masks when you're yep. depending on whether you're talking to Asian people or white people? Right. So like it's a bit of an effort. Like when you're like talking to white people, you you suddenly sound more white. You've got to be more presentable. You've got to like you have to try. You just harder. know this from like when you're a kid. You've just you've got to be yeah. You've got to be switched on. You've got to try harder. And I'm and I'm like and this whole like this whole time I didn't realize everyone else at the sailing club thought that I was adopted. Except yeah, it was so weird. It was like a weird vibe. It was like kind of going to the. How did like, you find out? I don't know because they were like, oh, so like um, oh, how no. long have you been in Australia? Or like they were being nice about it. They just no, like but it's just, didn't yeah. know. And I'm like, I'm just a friend from school. Like we go to the same school. <laughs> and then like we went to the same club and then the staff would like talk to me slower. Oh, my God. I hate those interactions They're so like, much. what would you like today? And I'm like, I'll have a hot chocolate, please. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Just like that made me uncomfortable. I knew they were being nice but they were treating me different mm-hmm. because of how I looked, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel different. Mm-hmm. And and there's so many instances where you get treated differently, but you feel no different to your peers. Mm. And I think that's what made me like super sensitive. It's those me. small interactions that then build you up to mm. become so mm. hyper aware of every interaction that you oh, have. I just, yeah. I just remember yeah. something. Or like when I was younger, my mom used to make me call all my friends, parents, auntie and uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? They're not even my auntie or uncle. Like, yeah. why is she Auntie Cynthia? Like, what do you mean? Everyone else is calling her Mrs. Or they're just calling her a name. And my mum has this like growing up in Malaysia, she's like, you can't call adults by their name. There's like mm. a respect thing. Yep. Or like, I was like, why can't I call my sister Alison? Why do I have to call her dead? Like, yeah. why do I have to say that? Or, mm-hmm. But then I would be like, to my younger sibling, I'd be like, yeah, you have to call me dead. <laughs> 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 but I can call you, I can call you Jennifer. So what about now? What's your perception on that? Like calling people, you know. Oh, I'm or- just like call people whatever. Mm. I'm just like, so I think what- it's sweet. Like looking looking back in hindsight, I'm like, oh, it's really sweet that she would like try to make us call it like them aunt, like auntie. But then my, my way around that as a kid, I was like, okay, I'll just call her Mrs. Black. I'll just call her Mrs. Black instead of like <laughs> Auntie Cynthia. Cause like my, my friends would be like, why are you calling my mom Auntie Cynthia? She's not your auntie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. It makes you feel more displaced because they yeah. don't understand those interactions. And having white friends as well and like going to their house and eating their food and then them coming to your house and you feeling like, oh, my house is totally different to their house. Yeah. And like afternoon tea works differently. Like all the, the way you live your life is different and you mm-hmm. don't even know because that's your life and that's normal to you. Mm-hmm. And like, oh yeah, I eat like 
spam and rice yeah. as an afternoon <laughs> after, after yeah. school snack. You know what I mean? I don't mm. eat like a paddle pop and like have a tea and scones. Or instead of mac and cheese, you have macaroni and soup with spam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think of, uh, have you guys watched, I don't know if you have, like Joe Coy, the, um, the comedian. He's like a half Filipino, half white dude. And he talks about this story about how, because he's Fili- his mom's Filipino, all the kids are like trading lunch. And they're like, oh, trade you like my Oreos for my sandwich. And he's like, does anyone want like mongo? And everyone's like, what the fuck is mongo? And it's like this like green bean, like mung bean with like rice dish. And he's got a, he's like saying, um, what did he say? He goes, oh, it's like, it's really good. Sometimes you'll find a shrimp inside if you dig deep enough. And then he goes, but be careful with the fish sauce because if you spill it, you'll just smell like pussy all day. <laughs> But, like, that encapsulates the whole fucking thing around what we eat versus what Mm, they eat, right? mm. And even I remember, like, you you know, like, because I I went to a high school that was, like, 99% Asian. Mm. And so, you'd have, like, the token white friend in the group and you'd take him out to eat. And, you know, we're all about sharing all the dishes to share. And they, they order, would always their own order one thing oh for themselves. That right? is so funny. Where, like all these like white old men, like they, they're at this Asian restaurant with a round The lazy table. Susan, right? Yeah, and like they've just got this big platter of fish, <laughs> this big other thing of like stir fried noodles <laughs> and like this lobster. Yeah, yeah. And they're all eating it by themselves. They're not sharing anything. Fully, we went to a restaurant the other day and then like these, this white pe- couple were, were on a date next to us and she orders like, stir fry noodles but it's like a huge mountain in front of in front of her and he orders like oh i ordered like the mongolian beef or something so he's got a mountain of mongolian beef and it just looks so weird and he's just eating that in isolation oh no rice you know what i mean they just like eating the dish and I'm like this is not how this works. do you feel do you feel obligated you're like i want to come up yeah, to you and say you're like, doing it all wrong <laughs> meal yeah like, it's a sh- yeah it's so weird or like there's been a couple of times as a food blogger when you go out to eat with other bloggers mm. and then we go to an Asian place and a lot of most people know how it works now but then there'll be that one person who's like oh don't we just should we just order our own I'm like no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> that is not even on the table here yeah. she's like no 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 I think we should order our own I'm like okay you order your own everyone else will share yeah exactly like, I made the mistake of going to Japan um with a particular friend who is like let's just say, like, white privilege, like, mm-hmm. no no cultural sensitivity oh, at all. Oh, no. And so, we got to – so, we, I, I had a friend – yeah, and Japan's full oh, of gosh. rules, right? And travelling is such a test as well. Even it's if you are best test. friends, you'll probably be, like, a little bit removed yeah. by the end. So, we went to, like, a very, like, classic sushi place, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in Japan, like, anyone who's been to Japan knows this, is like, you don't get given, like, wasabi and soy sauce, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. the chef puts mm-hmm. it in it yeah, and yeah. you eat with what's being given to you. And oh, she no. got there and she was oh, like, no. where's the soy sauce? And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> and then she one-upped it and said, how come there's no, like, tuna and avocado or there's no oh. – because in Japan you eat raw fish, right? Mm. Like, it's just, like, sashimi and it's, like, nigiri. And um, and that was, like, the first meal we had together and we were going to be together for, like, three weeks. And oh, I was like, oh, no. man. Who was this? <laughs> <laughs> Can you say? We'll keep oh, the name. So good. Okay. But if she does listen to this, Tell she knows who this. she is. Oh. We're still very good Ooh, friends. Spicy. No, no, no. She's, I mean, she, yeah, like we used to work, like we're good friends, like, mm-hmm. and she gets it. Like I call her out on it all the time. I'm mm-hmm. like that time when you asked for fucking soy sauce in Japan and oh, our friend no. in Japan got rid, cause she, like our friend who is Japanese <gasps> and lives in Japan was like, please don't ask me to ask them for soy sauce. Like, and so. Cause the pressure on you, you just like, yeah, it's yeah. your culture as well. Mm-hmm. And you would, 
you would be feel so stuck as that friend because you'd be like, oh, I have an obligation to my friend, but also this is my culture and you're fucking it up. So yeah. Right. Well, actually, fortunately, this friend, she's not very un-Japanese in the obliging sense. She was like, fuck off. You're not having soy oh, sauce. Okay, that's you good. eat, right? Um, but I think uh, in Japan, like a lot of the broths, like a lot of the bases are bonito. Mm-hmm, it's got mm-hmm, the fishy mm-hmm, flavor, mm-hmm. right? And she couldn't, she just couldn't deal with the fish profile for flavor. So I was like, you're in the wrong she, well, country. Well, you're in the wrong country. She's, no, she's not Asian. So, oh, okay. yeah. So, and it was just this, uh, it was such a struggle on the travel from a food perspective. Everything else was fantastic. Oh but God. man, food was difficult. That's so that different when you have to go to like Asian places or something. It's a very acquired taste if you've never had like fermented foods, you know, mm. salty, MSG, umami, all of that. Completely different flavor profile, yeah. you know? And unless you've been exposed to it. And, like, some people take it very well. Like, they've had kimchi for the first time and they're like, oh, my God, I fucking love kimchi. Like, yeah. this is the yeah. best thing I've ever yeah. eaten. But, yeah, it's a very acquired taste if you've never been exposed to it. Yeah, when you are when you grow up and you're only seasoning with salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> when you pick out all the onions in your dish. <laughs> oh. All right, well, we'll wrap it up yeah. there. <laughs> Any, um, I guess any, um, well, I feel like we could talk about this forever. We yeah, could, yeah, we yeah. could. Like it's, it's, um, any, I guess, yeah. Like, I mean, we talked about a lot of things and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, and obviously big underlying themes was like food, obviously I'm um, being, uh, growing up as an Asian here, Asian experiences. Is there anything that you want to say? Obviously a lot of audience, um, you know, the whole crux of this thing is to, um, share your story and to tell them what your experiences are like and hopefully they can take something away from it. So is there anything else you want to, I guess, share, um, you know, to the audience? Oh, I wish I had some powers of wisdom. But <laughs> it doesn't I just have to have... be advice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like everyone is ha- on their own, like, life journey anyway and there's not, like, one thing that someone can say where you're like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Keep on keeping on. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. Well, where can everyone find you on socials? Uh, You can follow me at It's Liz Mew. Loud Noodle on YouTube or It's Liz Mew on TikTok. New website coming soon? Yeah, I'm working on my website, my... That that's a that's a little having a little trouble with that at the moment, but we'll, <laughs> we'll add it into the show notes yeah. anyways. Cool. All good right. to have cool. you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a good chat. Yeah. Very chill. Loved it. Again, awesome. on that other level because we're all Asian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Level Asian. Yeah. That's Thanks right. for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Level Asian podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the episode. And why not share it with friends and family who might enjoy it too? Also, make sure you head over to levelasianpodcast.com to join our email list and to receive the latest updates and get notified when the next episode drops. If you know a great guest we should feature, email us at contact at levelasianpodcast.com or DM us on our socials in the show notes. Catch you on the next episode.